Uri Goldstein is a developer for Meteor. Uri, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's uh, great to be here. What is Meteor? Uh, Meteor is a JavaScript application platform. So that's a very uh, big concept, but the idea in two war in a few words is that it's a complete platform to help you build your app from database to the clients and mobile uh, out of the box. And you know that everything works and everything is open sourced. And yeah, that's basically it. So MEAN is a acronym for Mongo Express Angular Node, M-E-A-N. These are the core technologies of an isomorphic JavaScript web application stack. How has the mean stack changed since the concept was first introduced? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I think the main thing that has changed are users' requirements from our apps. So in, 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 when users use, let's say, an application like Uber or Gmail or Facebook, uh, what those large companies have, have been doing is taking those apps to the next step, or let's say if you're using even Google Docs. So those applications are updating in real time. And you don't have any refresh buttons or anything like that anymore. And, and more than that, you can work, let's say on Google Docs, you can work with other people uh, collaboratively in real time, and there's no need for syncing, uh, wait for sync, or stuff like that. So... Um, those companies uh, has large teams that build like great infrastructure to do that, but our users don't care. And now they expect our applications, it doesn't matter what infrastructure we use or how large is our team, to behave the same. And the mean stack is built on top of the concept of REST, which is it's a great concept for certain uh, types of applications. But for real-time applications, you have to expand the main stack to do more than just like a request-response uh, mechanism. Right. So, so, so Meteor, a- Meteor is for building real-time multi-user applications like Facebook or Uber or any of these things where there's like constant updates, all this constant change. It's basically every modern application. So the implication here is that Meteor takes care of things that every application needs that are not being done efficiently by other frameworks. Do you think this is accurate? Yeah, this is a... you put it just right. So so what does Meteor do that these other frameworks don't? So first of all, Meteor is built from the ground up to handle those types of updates. So if we're talking about the database, then... Right now, um, you in in let's say in the main stack, uh, then you have to explicitly ask the database for your data. So you have to understand that something has changed, let's say through an event or something like that. But you have to explicitly request it, kind of like um, kind of like uh, J. If you walk in dead, uh, with jQuery on forms, you have to explicitly ask for the value. And Meteor introduced a new concept, or uh, which is inside the package uh, that's called Live Query, which basically means that you define your query once, and it doesn't matter if how complex is this query, and Meteor will make this query self-updated. 
So every time there's a change in the database, doesn't matter if the change comes from outside of your application or from inside of your application, Meteor lets you know that this uh, query has changed and it gives you the updated value. So uh, for me as an Angular developer, I, I always call it like a watch, on the, a watch on the database. So I don't have to explicitly request those values and I know in real time that something has changed. Now, that's on the server. So right now on the server, I know something has changed on the database. But then I need to, to let all the clients know that something has changed. Now, um, Meteor introduced, and the way to do it right now, let's say on the main stack or, or any other uh, frameworks, is with uh, web sockets. Now, web sockets are hard because... Um, because if you now need to, uh, let's say you need to, you have very different clients and uh, in very different technologies, then you don't have one protocol that you can talk to with everyone. And Meteor introduced a new protocol that's called DDP, which is like a REST for real time. Uh, you can call it REST for real time, which means that it's an open source protocol that you have um, implementations of it in JavaScript, uh, in iOS, in .NET. And like REST, you don't care what technology the other side is using. Like, you know you can, uh, you, you can transmit your updates or receive updates from another end in real time without uh, building a, a specific te- a solution for a specific technology like, let's say, Socket.io. Um, and then, the other, so, so now we have... A, the real-time in the database, then we have a protocol of communication to send those updates into to our clients. But in the clients, we have to keep them synced and we have to do it smart. So Meteor uh, has a concept called uh, mini databases, which are actually a local cache databases that runs on the, all the clients and takes care of all the clients being synced in real time um, and, 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 so, and, and, and one, one quick analogy here is like, um, as I understand, like one of the ways that Google Docs works is the way that it handles the syncing between the client and the servers. When you're typing tons of stuff onto a Google Doc, it's constantly syncing with a local cache. So that's a lot faster than if you had to sync with a with the ser- with the with the server side cache constantly. So so it'll do this this frequent client side caching, and then every now and then it'll do like a like a batch. Uh, like a, a a batch update to the server, if I understand correctly. Yeah, you, you touch exactly on the on the on the big point on that. Like all of those modern applications that we talked about and mentioned before, are if you are a front-end developer, you saving your uh, changes directly to the local cache first. And the reason is that. Uh, now sending HTTP requests and waiting from pro- for like uh, the responses or waiting for promises, it's not a good user experience. So in uh, like you said, in Google Docs, you type and you don't want while you're typing waiting for having a spinner or waiting for a response from the server. So that's exactly what Meteor is doing now. Later on, we need to uh, sync this local cache into the server, and Meteor has a very interesting mechanism to do that which uh, it's a bit different from the way you describe it, but the important thing here is that this is a very common problem for real-time applications, and Meteor solved it for you. 
And so let's let's zoom out a little bit. I want to mention. I want like if you think of good opportunities to 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 describe the client side caching or DDP throughout this conversation, I think it's good. But I, I want to lift out a little into the higher level stuff. So how, from the developer's perspective, what is the workflow like for developing a Meteor app? How is it different than web development that we're used to? So um, the idea is that the Meteor as a platform. Uh, the Meteor team has rethinked all the platform from start to end. And you can see it also on the way that you actually write the app on the on daily basis. So one thing is the build process. So right now, um, I can actually, uh, I have a build, in Meteor you have a build process that works both for the server and both for the client. So it, it means... One of the most uh, interesting thing it means is man, it's uh, you can write actually true isomorphic code. So I can write a code once, and with the build process can you use that code also on the server and also on the client. And I can very easily specify uh, where do I want this code to run on the client, on the server, or both. And those are uh, those are concepts that there's no. That doesn't exist in any other build system. Um, uh, another thing is that those uh, the build system can actually compile your uh, application to also to mobile devices. So you have a built-in support for Fonger. So I can just write the same application, and in one command line, I can deploy my app to uh, to an IPA or to an APK, uh, like to Android or iOS. And, that is another like something that in let's say in the main stack you have to take care of it yourself, including the installments and everything else. Um, you also have the command line can do so much more. Like you can actually deploy your app or Apple or, uh, or bundle all your app for production in one command line, where also your clients and also your servers and your databases and all the dependencies. De- define so, define what full stack data binding is, and describe how that affects the development process. So, uh, kind of like I described before, um, I have to uh, if if I don't have like let's let's start with the client side. So, on the client side, we know what two way data binding is. Let's say if we're talking about Angular, so we don't write we have to write explicit code to understand uh, what to bind actually the the value on the UI to the value of my uh, uh, local uh, JavaScript object on the client. And Angular has done that, and Ember has done that, and we have many frameworks that have done this, uh, this in a good way. But now we have to sync this data also to the server. And... And the way media and full stack reactivity or full stack binding, or you can call it three or four or seven way data mining, it means that you don't have to write any explicit code to sync this data across your your application. And your application is not just the client side, it's your server, your database, your communication layer, your local cache, and your client. So with actually there's many examples, but you can just write one line of code or like two lines of code and you have a collection that is synced across your stack from the database to the server, uh, through the communication, to the local cache, to the client. And 
you don't have to write any explicit code to make that collection be updated. Are there some fundamental computer science breakthroughs that have happened recently that have allowed this full stack data binding where you just al- allocate all this, all you spin off all this effort that basically does all this stuff that the developer used to have to do manually? Mm, it's it's a good question. Um, I think I think it started. Actually, what I think is the what. It's a good question. Like I think mo- databases. Uh, we, if we, we look at the databases, um, I, and I'm not, uh, I'm not like a very good uh, in history, <laughs> but uh, now databases have has more and more requirements and tools to make uh, to be able to do what media is doing with the library to make them. Uh, uh, to expect them to live update the query and not to explicitly update it all the same time. So, like a good example is uh, RethinkDB. Um, so I think this requirement is like uh, it's a new requirement that, that uh, just came to be like in recent years. And Meteor solved this requirement for any database. So like live query, you can. This is a layer that sits on top of a database. It can be with Mongo, which has a core. A package to it in Meteor, but there's also community packages that does the same for MySQL or for Postgres. And also there was a, a guy from Meteor re- re- wrote like uh, something very similar similar on top of RethinkDB. Yeah, so uh, it, al- it almost sounds like the, the heightened competition among databases is the innovation. Like that's the computer science innovation. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Um, so Meteor has four layers comprising its architecture. It's got database, communication, local storage, and UI. Maybe you could talk a bit about how these four layers um, ha- each have their own uh, unique aspects within Meteor and, and or how, how they have synergies with one another. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so... Um... The idea... I think the main idea is to look on... Uh... Let's okay. Let, let's start with the UI. So in the UI, like we said before, uh, then we are used to have a reactive UI. Like it's it's a solved problem. Like you have a reactive UI through Blaze, which is Meteor's front end framework. You have a reactive UI through React or through Angular One and Angular Two, um, and those are all good frameworks. And this problem has been solved, but. The the question is how do I now sync the uh, local cache into uh, that UI? So Meteor gives us a mini Mongo, which is uh, the local cache with and keeps us sync keeps keeps this local cache synced for us on the client. So if I'm a front end developer right now, I just need to bind in whatever technology I, I want to use. Let's say if it's Angular. 1.1 or 2.0 in React or in Blaze, uh, I just need to bind my local data into this local cache, mini Mongo. And I know this that will, it will be synced and it saves me a lot of code of writing like a lot of sync code or like a request response code that I used to write uh, before. Um, then, so that's the UI layer. And it's important to note here that Media works with uh, like every UI layer that you want to hook into. Like uh, right now on the site, you can see there's tutorials for Blaze, for React, and for Angular. 
Um, but then the the second the next layer that media again takes care of it for you, and it's also I think important to note here that all this magic is not a true only it's not magic. It's everything is open source and it's built out of a collection of packages and you can change everything. So that's what I did with Angular, right? At the beginning there wasn't like core support for Angular, but I just changed some stuff and created an open source library that connected Angular to Meteor, and everyone can do that in any layer of the stack. Um, okay, so yeah, so, so I, th- I think maybe, maybe my, my question was probably uh, a, little too, a little too expansive, so I think we should move on to more specific, because that was, you know, kind of an unfair question, like, here's four layers of Meteor. Uh, go through the combinatorial expansion of those four layers. It's not really a good question. So anyway, I how, guess that's a two-hour lecture. So <laughs> right, right, exactly. So how would you compare Meteor to Ruby on Rails? That's a good question. I think uh, I think Ruby on Rails did a lot of stuff really right. Right, like I mean, Ruby on Rails look at the REST type of application and took care of that for you, again, from the database layer until the UI layer. And it and you really feel when you program in Rails, you really feel like you're inside this very good ecosystem. And if you build REST applications, you feel like you are being taken care of. A good example is the device authentication library which uh, it's a basically a library that takes care of authentication throughout your application. And the problem is, and, and now, again, like, we don't go into history right now, but Node is, and JavaScript is becoming, like, the main power on the open source uh, community, I believe. And, and people are starting to migrate from Rails to other solutions on the JavaScript world. And... And there's missing stuff that Rails gives you that, in let's say in the main stack, you're missing those stuff. So you have all kinds of solutions on JavaScript for authentication, but in Meteor does that authentication much more similar uh, uh, to Rails. Meteor's account system takes care of uh, authentication throughout your application, from the database till your server, till your the communication, and even you get out-of-the-box UI forms, if you want. You can obviously break those stuff and just take some of them, but like Rails, everything is being taken care of. The main difference between Rails are, I think, two stuff. One, it's all based on JavaScript in Meteor. So everything is JavaScript. And the second thing is that Meteor is built for real-time applications. So all the standardization that Meteor is doing is based on real time, and I think Rails did those standardizations for REST applications, not for real time applications. I think those are the two main differences. What about Meteor versus Express? Uh, so that's another good question. I think Express is something very, very. Uh, it's a middleware, and it does something very, very specific, right? Uh, and you can hook up Express to anything, and there's also uh, ideas right now, and also some community package to hook Express into Meteor. And, but, and I guess also I should bundle in with Express things like uh, like Loopback.io or Restify or yeah. 
like these middleware middleware style all JavaScript application frameworks. Yeah. So so I guess the main thing here is there's two main things. One, like we said before, between Rails, those are uh, tools that are based out of REST applications and request response. So doing real time with those tools is not as easy as it is in Meteor. It's not standardized like it is in Meteor. And that's maybe the biggest difference. Um, another difference is that Meteor does so much more. Meteor is a, is a platform. It's not a framework. So it doesn't do one specific thing. It, it, does, it takes care of, of you of everything. And you can hook up inside frameworks like, uh, like, uh, um, like Express. Now about Loopback, Loopback also for me is like a, a bit like Rails because Loopback is really, really good for REST type of applications. But once you go uh, and do real time, then uh, you, have to, you have to come up with some kind of a community solution or start writing a lot of boilerplate code yourself. Um, yeah. Okay, okay, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, so people sometimes use these terms, quote, opinionated or, quote, unopinionated to describe web frameworks. And it's hard to say what these terms of opinion, opinionation actually mean. Do you think that either of these terms apply to Meteor? Um, yeah, I mean... Saying about something is opinionated, like everything is opinionated right now, but um, I mean, it's, uh, I'll say something like that. If, and this is another point that people sometimes mis, mis, uh, misrepresent when they talk about Meteor. If you want to do REST with Meteor, you can. There's really good packages of helping you do REST types of applications with Meteor. So... Meteor is completely open source, and you can do whatever you want with it. And so this is really important. Also, if you have a REST type of application, you should use REST and not use uh, and not enforce real time. But um, but you can do that with Meteor. So I think uh, Meteor is not uh, opinionated as it is uh, like the next level of the next uh, phase of web frameworks. Like, there's new types of applications, and right now, the current frameworks are just not built to deal with those types of applications. And then Meteor is the application platform that is built from the ground up to, to, uh, to support those types of applications. Yeah, the way, you- the, the way I see it is like, it's, it's a, if, I would say Meteor is opinionated in the sense that it says, look, just face it, you're building a real-time application. One review of Meteor that I read said that Meteor is to Node.js as Rails is to Ruby. Um, not to harp on the, the Rails conversation more, but do you think this is like an accurate analogy just in terms of like the level of usability that Meteor adds to Node.js? Yeah, exactly. I think this is a really good... Uh, uh, like. Uh, a really good phrase, uh, and it's a really good point. I think, like, right now the NPM community and the JavaScript community are amazing, and there's amazing stuff going out every day, right? There's, like, 
there was a grant and then gulp and there was and then like browserify and broccoli and like there's explosions of amazing amazing tools but if you now want to come and start building your own application then it's very hard to decide what tool works and you have to to examine a lot of tools and you have to uh, spend a lot of time into take the right tools and then to keep them uh, synced together and updated together and meteor kind of like rails is giving you an order in all, into all this mess it's it's built on top of all those amazing stuff that is happening on the uh, on on the javascript community but they take care of you when they say let's say we released a meteor 1.0 application platform and that for you means that all those underlying technologies that work inside this those platform are tested and working so you don't need to write like a lot of code to connect them you you can be relaxed that those comp components are working together and also if you want you can change some of those components that's okay but out of the box you know that it's tested and it's working and someone thought about the complete architecture of this thing and for me when before i started using meteor i think in the node world this was the biggest thing that was missing for me and this is why i liked meteor so much and how does meteor choose to render things on the client versus the server mm, what do you mean like uh, well, well so so it's it seems to me that there's you know like with react for example like i had a conversation with the guys from react and they they were talking about how the way React works is it allows you to do more servers like it allows you to choose what elements of your application you want rendered on the client versus the server mm -hmm. rendered render to rendered to HTML. Yeah. So if, if that's not an interesting conversation within the scope of Meteor at all, then that's fine. We can skip the question. I think I will touch it in like in like just a minute or two. Right. First of all, uh, I think what. React is doing and Angular 2.0 is doing as well is to separate actually the DOM from the rendering uh, layer, right? So you can actually, you have some kind, you can call it like a virtual DOM and Angular 2.0 is doing that as well. And the benefits of that is, and there's a, also a really good conversation, a really good talk in Angular 2.0 how to do server-side rendering in Angular 2.0 because like React and probably they learn from them, um, you are not dependent on the DOM. And this is more of a client-side framework thing, and you can actually, in Meteor, work with React, and you can work with Angular, or you can work with, with Blaze. So um, there's already solutions in the community, like specifically about React, then there's now a core package being rolled out in Meteor to support React, and it's already working, and it's out there, so you can start using it. And there's already uh, community um, packages that help you render React on the on the server side as well. And rendering on the server side has there's few requirements for that. Like uh, one of them is like speed of initial load, and, and the second thing is SEO. And there's already like libraries both in in, in Meteor that works both in React and both in Blaze to help you deal with those. Uh, situations and requirements. Tell me some about the history of Meteor. 
Like the company uh, and, the, and the project and... Yeah, I hope, uh, uh, like, I will be... And I know there, you already said, I know you already uh, said you're bad at history. I'm not a history guy, but, like, um... Uh, so probably my story won't be accurate, but I think uh, I can I can tell you what what is my history and like since when I'm I keep track of Meteor. Uh, the first time I uh, saw Meteor is um, is when I saw their 10 minute video of building a real time application like in in 10 minutes, and it was like four years ago. So I was overwhelmed. Like, and I think a lot of people know that video, and I think. When you think about, again, other frameworks uh, starting to get into this field, Meteor is doing that for four years. And, and, and I should, a, I should, to interrupt you, like, I should say that was my experience, too. I, I, I started working on, working on a Meteor application, and I was just like blown away by how quickly I was doing, doing like, productive things. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the amazing thing is that after four years, then you don't only have the uh, these great ideas. You have also like a huge community and like hundreds of thousands of apps that you learn from. And now, if there will be I don't know a new framework that will start doing similar stuff, it will need to start again with a new community and with all the problems that Minior already solved like in those four years. So. About, but a bit about the company. So um, the company, uh, uh, I think they started it as a completely different company out of, um, I forgot, uh, uh, Y Combinator. And, and they raised, uh, I think the first round they raised was $11.8 million. Uh, and recently they raised another $20 million. So they're a really well-funded and now we are all, even more than 30 employees and they hire good people all the time. And that's the company. And I think this is really meaningful. Another really big meaningful thing when you choose an open source framework. Like a lot of very large open source frameworks out there are actually just a few people doing that part-time or like, doesn't make any money of that, or you, you can never know if they will continue to support it or not. And, and in Meteor, those are like, I don't know, at least 20 full-time, amazing, really smart engineers that work day by day on the framework. So the capacity of work that they're doing is, I think, unprecedented. Yeah, and, and what's, it's so interesting because, like, the model of the, the open source versus the open source project being worked on full-time by a company... Um, it's really made th this this transformation from the days of Red Hat when it was kind of simple and it, we've really, now it's like the super sophisticated um, model and you know there's there's a lot of booming open source based companies like Cloudera and Databricks and Meteor and um, so I'm curious like does the Meteor project slash company is there anything unique or or interesting that um, that Meteor does that is a commentary on how companies work? I think Meteor does few stuff very interestingly. So first of all, uh, there's maybe other uh, kinds of companies that do, that do like a similar model, but uh, Meteor is, is completely open source and MIT licensed. So you can 
basically take it, you can do whatever you want with it. The, it's like the most open license that you can get. Uh, and the Meteor framework or platform will always be like that, will always be open source. And so this is really, really important. The way that Meteor makes money is uh, actually uh, to complete the story of a complete JavaScript application platform, you also have to take care of scaling and deploying your application in to real life, right? Like you have to, if you have now a, a lots of clients and lots of, uh, uh, you need to scale it easily. And like, like, like right now it's very easy to build real-time applications using Meteor, so it needs to be, according to the Meteor philosophy, it also needs to be as easy as building this application as to scaling it. And Meteor uh, earns money from a project called Galaxy, which is a hosted uh, environment that you can just, with one command line, deploy your app, and very easily you can scale this app across instances and across uh, time zones and like um, and take care of all these deployments and, and scaling for you. And this is in contrast to things like auto-scaling groups where you would have to, you know, if you're on AWS or if you're on Azure or something, you have to, you have to configure all these conditional um, things where, you know, oh, if we're getting this amount of traffic, we have to do this and whatever. And Meteor, it, you're saying the business proposition is Meteor takes care of that for you. Exactly. Like, it's like I can, the analogy for me is like, um, like Meteor takes care of like, there's a lot of great technologies out there. Meteor gives you the, the overall look and the architecture that makes everything work great and easily for you. And the same thing with deployment and scaling. So, so is, is, there, is there scalability technology? Is any of that closed source? Um, so about about the scaling technology. So first of all, there's already now there's the Galaxy is not out yet. It will be public in a few months, but uh, already now you have community open source solution for deploying your app at AWS, Heroku, wherever you want. And there's tools to help you scale that already, which are completely open source. See, I love that because it's so it's so bold. It's basically saying like, "Hey, look, we're a commodity. Come compete with us." Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I mean, Meteor, uh, like Galaxy. Well, it's not like they're saying we're the only option for you to scale your application. They're saying there's other options, and everything is open source, but we will be the best. And I think. This is, like you said, it's very bold, and from seeing now that I'm part of Meteor, seeing like parts of the solutions of Galaxy, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna win this thing. Like Galaxy looks amazing already today. So okay, so in terms of winning things, what is Meteor's current strategy for mobile? So um, first of all, I think uh, like lately someone. Uh, Inside media, like uh, said something that I really uh, appreciated. He said, "There's not, there's no. We don't need to think about winning things, but media is a community and it's part of the JavaScript community, and the the goal is to advance all this community forward. So, just like a small note, uh, but about mobile. So right now, you with media, it's out of the box. You get a phone gap support." And which is basically saying could you, that could you, could you define yeah for define phone gap? 
Yeah, yeah. So, oh, so the PhoneGap itself. So PhoneGap is a way to run a, a JavaScript applications as native applications on phones. So it's like a con- is it just a concept or is it like a protocol no, or something? It's an open source technology. Okay. Uh, um, and there's many tools that use this technology. Today, I think it's the most popular solution of writing those types of apps. Um, but each solution, again, like you have to install it in a certain way and you have to work with it in a certain way. And in Meteor, you just like write a Meteor add iOS platform and that's it in the command line and Meteor's command line. And, and, and that's it. You have everything you need to write your mobile application. Now, another important thing is that Meteor is doing, and I don't think any other platform is doing, it's called Hot Code Push, which means that right now, basically what Cordova is doing is that I have a web view running on my phone. And and so like like web, uh, if I want, I can update this web view. I can update my app that's running on my iPhone without going through the App Store. So I can actually ship... Uh, versions much faster uh, than going through the app store every time and Meteor not only takes care of that but also takes care of if right now my application is updating my user session will stay will will keep so if right now my user is logged in and is writing a form and there's a new update it will everything will, will still be working like it won't be logged out or it will still stay in the same state, and the update, the um, application will be updated. And I think I don't know if there's any other like platform right now that does that out of the box. And this is another really when you I worked with a lot of like mobile applications, and this is a very important feature. Meteor's goal is to build. Well, quote, build a new platform for cloud applications that will become as ubiquitous as previous platforms such as Unix, HTTP, and the relational database, end quote. This is a laudable and ambitious goal. What is your sense of how Meteor intends to accomplish this? So, uh, yeah, I think think this is an ambitious goal, but I think... Uh, it's great that someone is actually setting up that goal. Like nobody right now, I think, in the JavaScript community is setting that goal, and Meteor is already at the forefront of that uh, of that goal. And I think there's few ways of. First of all, uh, for me, the easiest way to explain what Meteor platform is is to actually explain it through, a, let's say, through a Ubuntu distribution, right? So Ubuntu, which is like a, a Linux distribution, uh, gives you out of the box a, a, a set of open source tools that works together and you can just install it on your computer and everything works. But then if you want, you can replace, let's say, Firebase with, uh, with Chrome or replace whatever you want. But out of the box, you get everything working for your needs. And Meteor is exactly the same. So... In Meteor, it's not only you, you install it once and you know it, it will work, but you can also change everything and you can write packages for this platform to make it the new, to expand it to whatever you want. You can write packages from, for the databases, you can write packages for the authentication strategies, from the sync strategies, you can write 
connectors to new front-end frameworks. So basically, if you look at Meteor, it's like the new standard of building web applications, which can be expanded in any way. But this is the new or the only standard uh, that, that now standardized the whole mechanism of building an app from the server and the database through the communication to the clients and to the mobile. So I think, so just like one one more sentence is just, I think that what will happen is that Meteor will become the standard and it will be, you know, on top of that standard, it will be expanded into other, let's say, um, distributions, but they will be based on Meteor. Yeah, so I, I, I love that perspective. But So one thing you said was you don't think anybody else is doing this. Um, that kind of surprised me because it feels like Facebook's React project also has some huge goals for how they could potentially build a new platform because you've got this roadmap, uh, you know, similar to how you know, Meteor, you just write your application and then conceivably you should be able to just deploy it to mobile. Like that's how it, that's how it should work in the future and should be awesome. But Facebook's React project kind of looks like it might be able to do this also because you just first you write your application in React JS and then you can just port it to React Native pretty easily and then it runs on 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 native Android or native iOS. Um, so, but what what do you think is the is there some kind of hole here that I'm missing? Um, so first of all, React is amazing, and I think the way that they pushed React Native and created this thing, I think it's maybe one of the best things that happened into. JavaScript in the mobile area for a while now, and Angular 2.0 is taking that step as well. Like, um, and this and React is amazing, definitely. But again, this React can be the stand, might be, or Angular 2.0 might be the standard uh, front-end framework and mobile framework. But don't forget about the rest of the stack, right? So. React is working on the client side, and then you need to sync the data to the client side to have a local, like a client side cache, to have a communication layer, to have a database with live query label um, layer. So React might be uh, maybe one day if it will become the standard, the standard view layer. It might be the view layer for media, but. In Meteor, does so much more as a standard, and might be, this is one of the reasons why now React is has core support in Meteor because it's very interesting solution, and it might become one day the standard solutions. There's also other solutions like Angular 2.0, but um, Meteor is looking at the whole uh, infrastructure, not just the client side, like React. Right, right. So the, I, I love that answer. Um, so, have you looked at React's Flux framework? Yeah, definitely. Um, is is that do, do, would you consider Meteor compatible with that Flux architecture design pattern? Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, there was recently there was a really great blog post from Sashko from Meteor about uh, that's called the optimistic about the concept of optimistic UI, which is uh, actually what Meteor. Uh, offers you uh, on the client side, and this is something very interesting. And it, it and right now there's another like when Meteor uh, published their React um, core um, core uh, support, then 
in the blog post you can actually read and understand that like Meteor is uh, is the best way of writing React app apps with the Flux like um, thinking in mind. Wow. Okay, that's it. That's a strong statement. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, now, obviously, uh, Facebook is trying to uh, add like their tools into that area as well, right? There's like a GraphQL, uh, which um, they are pushing to be some kind of uh, like a similar solution. But uh, if you look at uh, there also was if you look at the architecture of Meteor, uh, then it actually does what GraphQL was is supposed to be doing. But in a more generalized way, like GraphQL is working uh, as a graph and uh, as a graph structure, and in Meteor, it works just like a in a like a database structure, like a regular database structure. So you can it's much more generalized, but it gives you the same benefits that GraphQL is supposed to give you in the future, which means like a sync uh, client side cache uh, throughout your system. So, so, so um, one, one of the problems that both Meteor and React seem to be working at solving is this dissolution of this awful mobile duopoly that we have with Android and iOS. Like Android and iOS have imposed this duopoly on the world, and it's so toxic because developers have to make three applications just to deploy one application. And it's super toxic to developer productivity. So, what do you think? What does the future of mobile look like? Like, if you had to make you know some really ambitious predictions about the future, like I, you know, I don't really care about you know if you if you think maybe they're low probability or whatever, but I'm I'm very curious about what where you think it things are going. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting question, and I'm not sure. Like, I will try to give my perspective. Maybe, maybe you maybe you disagree with the premise. No, I I think this is a good and important question, and it's just I'll give my personal humble opinion um, I think that there's a lot of definitely like um, those stuff are about to change um, but throughout the years there were many promises like of like native is dead HTML will take will will, will like oh, take take everything and right now we see that again with react native or native script and all kinds of similar solutions and they might be the correct solutions but right now i think that uh, i think that um at least in the media perspective and i agree with it you have to support first of all the current solutions that are working so just as an example, so you can write today Meteor apps uh, that work uh, in a similar way to the way Meteor handles JavaScript client. You can work with Meteor with native iOS or native Android. And I think this is still a very, very important thing. And there's great libraries that sync uh, the native iOS with Meteor and the same thing for Android. So I think those are still important and you, you want your overall framework to do that well. On top of that, uh, I think Meteor is also going in a way that um, they are looking at React Native and the support for React because it's obviously it's very, very interesting. And there's a lot of talks inside Meteor of what will be the next mobile strategy. Right, so right now we know that native works well. We know that PhoneGap is the most popular solution, and we, Meteor out of the box supports those solutions. 
but uh, when React Native or let's say React Native with Angular 2.0 will become some kind of a standard, then Meteor might take those stuff and also uh, get them a core um, a core support. But anyway, right now you can actually work with React Native with Meteor as a community package. Um, so I think if you want to experiment, then you can just run and use React Native already today. But if you want to have a, you have a production app and you want to know that everything will work, you should uh, still use a Meteor's a core solutions, and you will know that you will be taken care of. Okay, I, I admire your diplomacy. So as <laughs> as I've as I've done uh, for the interviews this week, I. I, or as I've done these these interviews, um, like I, I get the sense that JavaScript, as it was originally known, is dead. And JavaScript is actually this this language that was a minimum viable starting point as an internet programming language. And what we've done is we've built tons of abstractions above and below JavaScript in order to actually make it effective. Do you agree with this? Definitely. I think... Uh... Actually, uh, I think the first day I came to Meteor, I had a conversation with Jeff, the CEO of Meteor, and he told me, like, we had a, it was a long conversation, but basically that the JavaScript is the new bytecode. Yes, and, exactly. And, and there's many, many, many amazing examples to see that. First of all, you can compile JavaScript into a real, like, C++ and C code, but also using uh, V8, you, by the way. What? 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 Us, using V8 or ASMJS or right, ASMJS. Very, very interesting things. But on the other, on the other hand, you have all kinds of uh, new types of like abstraction above the language. So the obvious uh, examples are like at the beginning it was CoffeeScript, but now we the standard we standardize like the higher level. So ES6 or ES2015, however you want to call it, is becoming a standard now. And also, by the way, in Meteor, it will be supported out of the box in Meteor 1.2. But um, uh, an amazing example for me to look at what's happening with JavaScript is Famous. Famous, which right until now we talked about React and we talked about Angular and we talked about Blaze. I think Famous is trying also to do something completely different and it's all and it's all based uh, on javascript and i think that in like 5 or months or like a year from now famous might be a kind of the new abstraction for ui it's just my personal opinion but i'm very excited about what they are doing wow i should have done a show on that Okay, well, um, what what do you think? Just to close, you know, kind of running low on time, but what do you think is the future of JavaScript? Uh, first of all, I think the future of JavaScript is already today. Like, look, look at what what you can do right now. You can write JavaScript everywhere. You can write JavaScript on the server. You can write JavaScript on the client. You can write JavaScript on mobile, and you can write JavaScript on IoT devices. So, so JavaScript is already running everywhere, and it's not like it's like those testing or like these experiments. It's already running and it's working great. So it's not like writing JavaScript of this on the server is this 
crazy experiment. The biggest companies in the world use Node on their servers. So I think this is already happening today, and the, maybe the next frontier will be to actually remove the, all the need of native uh, iOS and Android code and just to completely change uh, the mobile world into JavaScript as well. I think it's inevitable, and it will happen sooner rather than later. I totally agree with this. And so, so by the way, um, I think it's. I think this will be interesting to delve into. Um, I've, I've touched a little bit on my other episodes, but um, ASMJS seems like a uh, seems like a pretty key component. And um, if you have if you have a good understanding of ASMJS or any even any understanding, I would love for you to uh, to explain it. Unfortunately, I don't have any understanding of that. Oh man, dude! I've been uh, talking to all these all these JavaScript experts, and most of them are just like. I got a decent idea, but I don't really understand what's going on. <laughs> I, I won't even start. Like I, I know a bunch of stuff, but this is a public show, so I think it's better that I shut up. Sure, okay, so I'll make an idiot out of myself. I think, as I understand, like it reduces... It, it makes a, a subset of JavaScript... That uh, other that higher level JavaScript can be compi- compiled down to, so it's almost like you're minimizing your instruction set, and then it becomes way easier to do uh, more performance intensive things on that smaller instruction set. Mm-hmm. So, would you where would you think those will be ran? Like, what are the um, implications of something like that? I mean, you know, I really don't know. Like, fa- like Facebook. When I was talking to them about React, they were saying. That eventually they would they they were like yeah I mean a moonshot goal might be to get uh, to get you know JavaScript running on GPUs I, I don't even know what that means you know I don't once we get to the GPU level I, I I lose my my bearings in terms of like knowing what's going on in computer science so I don't know how you get JavaScript running on a GPU um, I think it's interesting because I think like again from my limited understanding I think that famous is already doing WebGL. Which is using an uh, like the GPU with your JavaScript code, but yeah, I don't know. But again, I, about ASMJS, I'm, I definitely not don't know more than you. Right, fascinating. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay, so is I mean, is there anything you know? I think what one thing that's worth talking about um, is you. So you you worked on Angular Meteor, and that was that was sort of your. Uh, you know, the project that you worked on that ended up being a transition point into you working at Meteor. That's correct, right? Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about, because one thing I I want to have as a motif on this podcast is I think it's really important that people have ambitious projects, and I think ambitious projects are where people really get strained to their limits and they make advances as a programmer. So tell me a little bit about the process of writing Angular Meteor. So... I think that's a great question. Like, I just today talked to some community, to one of the, our community members, and tried to persuade him to write more stuff openly. And the first, I think, the first thing that was is hard is you. The first question that people are raising is like, "I'm not smart. Like, I'm not that special. Like, those there's those smart people out there that do amazing libraries and." I'm not one of them, so I can just learn from them, and I don't have anything to share. And I must say that I'm not like a very smart person as well, but I just realized that I just put my stuff out there as an open source project just to get feedback, not to not to tell people, look, this is what I know, this is how smart I am. 
but ju I just place it out there to get feedback. And I think the Angular Meteor project grew f mostly from the community feedback. I learned uh, during that time of Angular Meteor, I learned so many things that I would never learn if I would just program myself to myself uh, like kind of an app and try to learn as much as I can. I think everyone should place as much stuff as they can outside and not worry about feeling dumb or getting criticized. Once you get criticized, you can learn. And and for me, you know, there's so many, I mean, combining Angular and Meteor, it seems like uh, if nobody did it, and there's so many smart people, probably it can't be done or it's not a smart thing to do. But I just said, ah, oh, whatever, then someone will come and say that I'm stupid. But I just placed it out there and it became this really, really amazing thing and I learned so much and it opened my world to places that I would never, places and information that I would never accomplish in any other way. Uh, so I think it, just anyone who can and it doesn't matter if you're a newbie or you're a professional, just everything you can, just write open source, write it outside, submit it as a blog post or whatever you want or as an issue. And just share your knowledge. And this is, I think, the best way today to advance professionally. Yeah, I, th I think another thing you touched on is this this um, this pernicious epidemic of imposter syndrome that everybody has, where nobody thinks that they're good enough to do this stuff, and it keeps a lot of people from from do from reaching the the heights that they could reach. Um, and I also think it's like, you know, another thing you pointed on, pointed out is like, yeah, uh, Angular, Meteor, it seems like this thing that should be out there if it's a good idea, but it wasn't out there, so you built it. I think that speaks to this myth of this efficient market hypothesis where, yeah, the, you know, the need for, for this technology, if, if there was truly a need for this technology, the technology would exist. That's not necessarily true. So, um, so anyway, anyway, um, Uri Goldstein, thank you so much for, for coming on Software Engineering Daily. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and I'm a huge fan of Meteor. So, um, so yeah, it's been great, great chatting. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great pleasure.